Everything is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us is Congressman Andy Barr in the home stretch of campaigning for November 3rd's election. We really appreciate him joining us, and I'm going to throw it over to Tom so we can get it on the road. Take it over, Tom. Okay, Andy, you know the drill. It's the Tom Dupree Show. So where do you want to start? Well, it's great to be with you. I I love this part of the campaign season you get to visit with constituents and friends and meet up with people uh, it's a little different obviously in the covid era but i'm crisscrossing the district uh safely with a mask and uh going to um lawrenceburg uh, today and then from lawrenceburg to flemingsburg so uh, uh from the western part of the district to the eastern part of the district and uh, uh, even with the social distancing and the masks it's, it's fun to see people and, and, um, and, and just, you know, hear about people's aspirations and their concerns and, and their, their passion about this upcoming election. Right. Well, it appears to me that, uh, you know, the Senate people are really hustling. I get about 40 texts a day from, cause uh, you know, you give your name to one of them and they all send you stuff. Don't get any of them from House members. I did have a guy, the Republican House member from Montana, and there's only one uh, House member from the whole state of Montana. They got two senators, but only one House member. He Greg, actually, Greg Gianforte. What's that? Greg Gianforte, good friend of mine. No, this guy's name is Rose something. Is he running again? Uh, no, the congressman from Montana is my friend Greg Gianforte. He's okay. For, uh, he's now, he's currently running for, uh, he, he, I think, for governor. Yeah, he this new guy is running for his seat, Rose, Rose, Rosecrantz or something. He called okay. me, and uh, I don't know how he got my number, but uh, anyway, so everybody's hustling. We know that, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, there, there is no race that seems to be able to be taken for granted. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's the most, uh, go after it political season. I think I've ever witnessed in my life. 
Absolutely. There's going to be a high turnout. Obviously, there's uh, early voting, absentee voting. And uh, I think there's going to be long lines on Election Day as well, even though there's uh, quite a bit of early voting happening. I'm actually encouraging um, my supporters to vote in person early. Uh, I believe that um, the the Election Day voters are overwhelmingly uh, supporting the president and Republican candidates. It, it just goes to the uh, politicization of the virus. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Democrats and liberals are voting by absentee mail-in ballot. But people who are voting in person, either early or on Election Day, are overwhelmingly supporting President Trump, uh, Senator McConnell, and, and me. So it's, it's interesting. And the reason why I say that is we see that in the polling data. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my point to uh, uh, all voters, but also my supporters, is, hey, look, go ahead. If you know how you're going to vote, go ahead and vote early make way for the tens of thousands of people who are going to vote on Election Day. There's not as many voting locations. So clear the way for those folks uh, so that those lines aren't as long on Election Day. Yeah, I voted a week ago out at uh, Taste Creek uh, Library, and uh, there's five or six other locations in Lexington where you could – let's talk a little bit about issues. What do you think are going to be the, the real – hot button things uh, that, that, that voters are going to be voting on right now? Well, I think number one, uh, the, the economy and the virus, uh, and they're intertwined. Uh, the, our ability to continue to uh, push the recovery, notwithstanding the, um, the persistence of this virus. And as the, the weather turns, we continue to see, um, you know, cases, occur uh, and even uh, spike, that's actually expected that there will be more cases. But you'll notice mortality is down, and that speaks to the incredible innovation uh, of the, the epidemiologists and the scientists, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, the development of therapies and convalescent plasma, the antivirals. We've learned so much about this virus. Um, and so you see that, you know, in March, uh, March and April, the mortality rate for uh, individuals with COVID over the age of 70 was uh, it was pretty scary. It was around 30%. It's now down to around 5%. Really? Uh, and we're seeing, morta- we're, we're seeing mortality drop uh, even among older people just because we know how to, to handle it in the hospitals a little, a little bit better. Uh, also, we, we've learned that children, younger people, uh, deal with this better, not always, but, but, but mainly they do. And uh, so we, we think that the, 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 the voters are, are going to obviously be voting, about, voting on uh, the virus and also uh, the economic recovery. I think most Americans do not want to see uh, uh, another round of draconian shutdowns of our economy. We can safely continue to keep the economy open using masking, social distancing, hand hygiene. Um, we also need liability reform. When we get a, get back to Washington after the election, that needs to be part of the next round of relief. Uh, we need liability reform uh, for not just businesses, but also for colleges and universities and schools. And the American Academy of Pediatrics says the kids need to go back to school. Uh, and there's ways that school, there, there are, there's in-person learning that's happening, that's happening safely, um, and where there is uh, 
a student that contracted or is exposed. There's quarantining procedures if you segregate kids out in pods. Um, but I think it's devastating what's happening to our kids and many of their parents who are having to uh, teach their kids uh, from home and miss work think we're never going to have a full economic recovery uh, until we get kids back in school and we get the people back to work. Um, and I think the other thing is that we're close to a, a, a vaccine. Uh, it's amazing what has happened in terms of the public-private partnership, uh, the CARES Act funding, coupled with the incredible innovation that's happened in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, we've got uh, multiple vaccines and phase three clinical trials, the gold standard of the FDA re independent review process. Uh, and because there's additional uh, public support for this, uh, when the FDA ultimately approves a vaccine as safe and effective, um, then um, we're going to have um, hundreds of millions of doses ready for distribution just because of the public-private partnership that's happened. We're, we're not skipping steps, but we're doing a variety of steps concurrently, which is going to accelerate the development, approval, and distribution of the vaccine. Let me ask and, you. And, 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 and ultimately, that's going to be the key to getting our economy back on track. So along those lines, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal um, a day or two ago that said um, when uh, the uh, uh, abeyance uh, expires, um, there could be 30 to 40 million people uh, evicted in, in apartments across the nation. And uh, I'm sure somebody has talked about that. Uh, that's a that's a big number uh, with, uh, you know, a, a major hit to the housing market as well as to the economy and, and just personal suffering. Uh, if if that because these are people who have, you know, been evidently unemployed and unable to pay their rent. So how would you well, the key is getting the key is, get you know, we've had this debate in the financial services committee um you know, we, we have jurisdiction over housing, and obviously we want to do everything we can to keep people in their homes, prevent homelessness, prevent evictions. Uh, it's important to understand that uh, landlords also have mortgages, and, um, you know, they're going to lose their properties if uh, there is a, a continuous mandates of, of, uh, of uh, housing people who don't pay their rent. So I think the key, and that's good for everybody, is, and to prevent evictions is to get people back to work so that they can perform on their rental obligations, put food on the table, take care of their families. And again, it speaks to understanding the virus better, that we need to protect our senior citizens, uh, even though the, that mortality rate is even declining for, for seniors. We need to protect those in nursing homes, vulnerable populations, people who have um, immunodeficient systems uh, or pre-existing conditions. We need to protect those folks. We need to... Uh, continue to provide uh, the billions of assistance that we that we were providing just today, for example, to, to promote distance learning and a rural broadband and connectivity for distance working. Uh, that, that will need to continue to a certain extent. Um, but protect those people who are vulnerable while at the same time allowing businesses to open um, using those um, public health uh, 
measures that will keep everyone safe. You know, it's amazing. I was talking to an epidemiologist in Lexington, and not a single healthcare worker in a major Lexington hospital who is using all of the appropriate precautions in terms of donning and doffing the personal protective equipment using the N95 mask has contracted the virus from a patient. And these are people who are around COVID-positive patients all the time because they're taking the necessary precautions. And so uh, I think that's really, really kind of the key to reopening the economy pending Operation Warp Speed, which is this unprecedented, amazing uh, push to get a vaccine. Right. Uh, what are you hearing around the district just in terms of uh, any anything specific uh, that you uh, you know might want to uh, make note of? Well, I, it's amazing to me how concerned so many of my constituents are that the election will result in a lurch towards socialism and radical and extreme policies like defunding the police, the Green New Deal, moving away from fossil energy, destroying our economy, destroying jobs, four trillion dollars in new taxes. Frankly, fear uh, with the with the, a wrong outcome of the election that we will move towards socialism in this country, and um, you know you would think that such fears would be overstated or exaggerated in the United States of America, but unfortunately, when you see um, what has happened to the Democratic Party in this country with the hijacking of the of the party, uh, it's no longer the party of of John Kennedy. It's 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 the party of AOC and the Green New Deal and um, Bernie Sanders and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Um, most Kentucky Democrats, the kinds of Democrats I represent, do not subscribe to that radical extreme agenda. They do not. Uh, they may not be Republicans. They may not even like Republicans. But they don't believe in that kind of extreme agenda. And, um, and for that reason, I think, I, I think they will reject politicians who uh, might try to pretend there's something uh, else, but would enable that agenda in Washington, D.C. Right. You know, it, it seems like everything in the country has lurched leftward uh, over the last 20 years. And it's it's a lot bigger job uh, long term than uh, just winning an election. I mean, there 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 needs to be uh, work done among conservatives to basically state the case for conservatism and, quite frankly, for uh, Judeo-Christian uh, values um, that underpin that. Well, you know, let's take the issue of abortion for a second. You know, it used to be that um, you'd have a difference of opinion between pro-choice and uh, pro-life. Americans now, uh, most I would argue, most pro-choice Americans do not recognize the extreme positions uh, that prevail within the Democratic Party. You have a nominee of the Democratic Party for president who believes in taxpayer-funded abortion up to the moment of birth. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it. And if you don't get that issue right, you're not going to get many issues right. Uh, that that's kind of a basic issue uh, to, to to think that. A major political party in America supports infanticide. It's, it's absolutely extreme and abhorrent, and it speaks to just the basic moral compass of our country. Um, and then, you know, 
it's, it's other things, too. It's about preserving and protecting our institution, the institution of the Senate, whether or not we continue to operate under a filibuster system where uh, there is a moderating force that requires the parties to kind of build to a, a consensus and a supermajority in order to pass major legislation, or uh, whether or not we're going to pack the Supreme Court. You know, the, the nominee of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, won't even answer the question, says that the American people don't even deserve to know the answer to that basic question, whether or not he is going to support radicals in Congress like uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders and other leftists who, because they don't like originalists on the Supreme Court, because they want judicial activism and they want to remake America through the judiciary, that they should pack the Supreme Court just because uh, the president, the duly elected president, has nominated uh, based on vacancies in accordance with the Constitution and uh, was confirmed by a Senate that was duly elected by the American people two years ago. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea that, that just because you lost an election, now you have the right to destroy the institution of the Supreme Court and pack the court, you know, th- this – FDR tried to do this back in the 1930s, and uh, members of his own party um, thwarted that very wrong-headed effort. And uh, my hope is that, regardless of how the outcome of this election goes, uh, that the American people will stop a radical proposal. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said it best. Uh, she said that the correct number is nine. It should stay nine. And uh, we have... Um, uh, three outstanding originalists on the Supreme Court as a result of the, the Trump term. And uh, what I'm happy about is these are people who actually believe in following the law as opposed to uh, interjecting their own personal views. They need to, they, they understand that the role of a judge is to apply the law, not to make it or legislate from the bench. So tell me uh, a little bit of, about your district how you think uh, different places will will vote if if you if you think or if you're free to talk about that and where you think you will run the strongest? Well, look, it's no secret that I represent a diverse district. Uh, I represent a left of center city in Lexington, a university college town. Um, there are uh, no doubt a number of Obama uh, and Clinton and uh, Biden supporters and voters in that uh that part of my district. Uh, there's also uh, suburbs that uh, maybe lean, lean uh, Republican, uh, maybe are soft Democrat, suburban voters who, who have trouble with the president's personality, and so are kind of swing voters in the, in the suburban precinct. And then there's um, rural and small town uh, parts of my district outside of Fayette County that are very conservative uh, and that are very pro-Trump in their leaning. Some of those places vote 65, 70% for President Trump. So uh, in, in one sense, my district is kind of like a microcosm of the whole country. It's very diverse politically, uh, urban, suburban, and rural. And uh, that makes me a better congressman because I represent all kinds of people with different views. And uh, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I take offense at these, uh, these attack ads uh, that, that suggest that all I care about are people who support me. That's, Anybody who knows me or my office or interacted with my office knows that that's a false uh, and a terribly offensive attack 
personal attack against the character of not just me, but the public servants who work in our office. We never ask whether our constituents support us or donate to us or Republican or Democrat or independent or libertarian. Look, if they're a constituent, we, we help them. Uh, if they're a veteran, we don't ask what their party registration is. We help them. If it's a small business that needs a lifeline, a, a paycheck protection loan, we don't ask them what their party registration is. We just, we just get the job done. And I think the people of this district, whether they're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, whether they're going to vote for the president or not, I think um, we earn uh, ticket-splitting support precisely because we're accessible, we're responsive, we're confident, we get the job done. We focus on doing the job uh, that we were elected to do, <clears throat> and that's why we think the politics ultimately takes care of, takes care of itself because we just do a good job. All right, we're going to have to cut it off right there, Andy. Keep your eyes on the road, brother. We're thinking about you. And as to borrow hey, from what John Short says, Andy, you're a great American. There you go. We love hey. you. We wish you the best of luck. We're cheering for you and bring it home on Tuesday. Love you all. Thank you so Love much. you, Appreciate brother. It. Love you. Take care. Take care. You're Bye. listening to the Tom Dupree Show, brought to you by Dupree Financial Group, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Coming to you from a studio in Lexington, Kentucky. We'll be back in just a few minutes with some financial news. Stay tuned. This is what's happening. Virus is raging. The numbers have gone up. Donald Trump has given up. We're never going to lock down again. Get the latest. These final days. Barnstorming the country. Check in often. Not expect a verdict on election night. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. If you are a dog owner, you probably know that a good diet is vital for both his health and overall happiness. So whether you're feeding your dog dry kibble or you're making the food yourself, your dog will still benefit from Rough Greens. Now, Rough Greens is not a dog food. It's a supplement that you put on the dog food. It contains massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, and even omega oils and antioxidants. I started using Rough Greens with my dog Uno, and he is a completely different dog. When we started, he would barely eat. Now he is running the fence line. He has gained weight, but not fat. He is muscle. He's healthier. He's happier. And just seeing him like this makes me happy. 
Take the Rough Greens 14-Day Jumpstart Challenge today. $14.95. See the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLENN-33. Call today. Happy Halloween, everybody. Nothing scary about the forecast out there today. Mix of sunny clouds, 55 to 60 this afternoon. That's a little chillier than normal. Looks good for trick-or-treating this evening as thermometers drop into the 40s with a partly cloudy sky. Strong cold front on the move as we go into day one of November on Sunday. Early day high, low 50s. Can't roll out a shower. It's windy and it is cold. Temperatures dropping into the 30s by evening. We'll wind up into the low and mid-20s. With a wind chill in the upper teens to kick off your Monday highs only low 40s. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Untucket knows that for the past six months, getting dressed for the day has been harder than ever. But did you know that a recent study by the Wall Street Journal says that getting dressed for the workday from home can boost your performance and productivity? You can still look great and stay comfortable in Untucket shirts. They're designed to be worn untucked. Plus, they come out of the dryer wrinkle-free. So for your next Zoom call, lose the T-shirt and grab an Untucket shirt instead. Use code RADIO for 20% off your next purchase at any Untucket store or at Untucket.com. Untucket shirts designed to be worn untucked. President Trump is back, and Newsmax TV is fully covering his rallies live and without interruption. Newsmax TV is rising fast. Watch great shows with Greg Kelly and Sean Spicer. Plus, on weekends, Mike Huckabee, Michelle Malkin, and Diamond and Silk. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Check your guide. Get Newsmax free on Roku, Zumo, YouTube, Pluto, Apple TV, Chromecast, Amazon Fire, and Samsung and LG. Or download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone and start watching now. Do you think all vitamin C's are the same? They're not. Ester C is a superior form of vitamin C. It's the only vitamin C with 24-hour immune support. And it lasts up to two times longer than regular vitamin C. So don't just settle for any vitamin C. Buy Ester C and support your immune health today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Welcome 
of the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. Take it over, Tom. Well, we only have a 21-minute uh, segment this week. So I figured... Preempted by the UK game. Get right into it. And I think a big story is uh, the economy and uh, how it recovered significant ground in the third quarter. And you're not hearing much about it. It's, of course, overshadowed by election coverage. Um, But I think it's a big deal. And uh, in an article from uh, the Wall Street Journal, they talk about it, the third quarter increase uh, of 33.1%. Uh, that's a it's an annualized rate. So probably in real numbers, it'd be around 8 or 9%, 7 or 8%, something like that. GDP, the value of all goods and service produced across the economy, jumped following a record decline from earlier in the pandemic when the virus and related shutdowns disrupted business activity across the country. That puts the economy about 3.5% smaller than at the end of last year. That ain't that much. I mean, you know, that's right. really not that big of a decline from last year when, you know, we we uh, the stock market saw all-time highs in – in what February and uh, you know, uh, so I don't know what everybody's worried about. And it, it's recovered uh, two thirds of the ground it lost in uh, March in terms of That's GDP. 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 That's a huge number. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You look- and you know, nobody's talking about that with the election or, or anything. I mean, that's crazy that that is not being discussed more. And if you want, if you're thinking about your vote on Tuesday, if you haven't gone out and done it yet, think about things like this. Gallup saying that 56% of Americans felt like they were better off than they were at the end of the Obama administration. Just just think about some of these things. Look at the numbers. I, I don't like to electioneer well sometimes. But, uh, you know, anyway, it's a big election. It it means a lot. And it's the numbers are showing that things are coming back in a big way. Well, and and to add to that, too, you know, so they have this chart in here where it it tracks um, credit card and debit card spending. Now, travel, which is a huge part of GDP, is down on on swipes basically is down over twenty five percent. You know, so you're seeing you're seeing this rebound in the economy from people just spending on you know just at home domestic stuff. You know, not taking as many vacations, which is huge. And you've actually seen the savings rate um, year to date has has actually increased too. So you know, to add to that, not only is the economy rebounding. But it's rebounding while the consumer is also improving its balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when when I look out 
paying down debt. Yeah, when, well, and, and that's what – when you look out four and five years in advance from this, as the consumer improves its balance sheet, as the economy rebounds, I mean, that's a double whammy because that allows the consumer to potentially in the future – take on more debt yeah the only thing whose balance sheet is not improving is the u.s government i mean and that's you know another issue but it's it's not improving yeah right so i was going to say that you know yes the gdp has rebounded but we also have to remember that there was a tremendous amount of money that was pumped into the economy uh, uh yeah, that was right. financed by debt no clue no no argument there um but to that point, too, Adarsh, you know, because there's a lot of people that would argue that the stimulus money didn't have an effect. And this would this would argue on the opposite of that, you know, just strictly because of the what the outcome has been from that, you know, expanded unemployment insurance from those twelve hundred dollar checks from, you know, all these things where the consumer has been able to withstand being forced to stay at home. Right. So, I mean, that, that, that was my point that, uh, the stimulus, if you look at the categories that have gone up, you know, they're primarily consumer spending. So a lot of that stimulus money has, uh, gone into consumer goods and services, durable goods, huge, uh, huge jump in durable goods. Right. So, so what is a durable good? I've been hearing that word all my career and I still can't figure it out. <laughs> that's, that's your <laughs> things that aren't eating out travel, you know, so that would be your, uh, washer furniture? and dryer, yes. furniture, okay. refrigerator. Basically, no, no. Yeah. Things that I just never so knew what that word meant. A, a, long, a long lasting good. So something yeah. that's supposed yeah. to last m multiple years, like a vehicle or things yeah. like that. Yeah. But that, that, that increased 82% over the last quarter. Right. So, I mean, just huge. And we, you saw that all the way through this, you know, with the stay at home with, you know, improvements on homes and things like that, you know, it, People are spending money. What? I was about to say, depend on who's doing the improvement on the home as to whether or not it's a durable good or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't think that number could stay up there. No, like that no. Because when people get enough stuff bought in their house, they're done. So, yes, th th that's the question. How much of the demand was pulled forward because yeah. of what happened during the pandemic? Uh, you could argue the same with stocks. You know, a lot of people were trading stocks uh, during the pandemic. Uh, so did they bid up prices more than they should have been? Do you think stock buying and selling became a substitute for gambling? I, I think so. I mean, I've read quite a few articles that uh, uh, alluded to that. So um, to some extent, but I don't know if it was big money. So the real money yeah. is with institutions, you know, your uh, big pension funds and mutual funds, hedge funds. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it moved some stocks, but I don't know if it, uh, if it was enough to move your big stocks, like your Amazons and Apples. Right. I definitely think it had an effect. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can see it when casinos actually opened back up. You saw the lines and, and how Swarmed. many people came to the casinos when they opened back up. I'm going to tell a quick story. One time I was backpacking in the Smokies and I got up to Clingman's Dome and it was dark and my buddy had already left. And um, so there's a road and these people came by and 
they said, you need any help? I said, I'd like to get down to Cherokee. And uh, they said, we'll take you down there. We're just driving around. So we drove down to Cherokee, and I got a motel. And uh, next morning, I got up and went down for the Continental Breakfast. And these people were dressed up in nice clothes, waiting for the casino to open, <laughs> talking about, and, and there were several of them, talking about which casinos they'd been to and who pays out most. And, you know, I mean, it was crazy. I didn't know there were people like that. Was it was it a weekend? Uh, Friday? No, I think, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't remember. The reason, the reason I'm asking is because, quick story on top of that, and this is where I learned, I went to a casino one time. Autumn had to go to, to Cincinnati for something. It was during the week, and I don't know. I, I, don't know I don't know if it was a holiday or if it was like I had taken a week off and I was just going to go up there with her. So I went to the casino on like, it was like a Thursday at noon. And usually I've always been on the weekends. You talk about people dressed up, wearing their suits, their nice clothes, yeah. you know. I went in on a Thursday at the Cincinnati Casino at noon and it was like, it was like going into the public library downtown. <laughs> Oh, in terms of the yeah. people. It were, was pretty sketchy. Really? It was pretty daggone sketchy. Yeah. Well, let me tell another story <laughs> right, while we're at it. So when when I was – this is about 1976. I was probably 20 years old, and uh, I was working for my dad up here at, uh, at Dupree & Company. And they had sold some bonds that had to be delivered in New York – on a certain day and th in 1976 there was no federal express there was a u.s mail and it could take however many days they got to figuring what they would have to pay in interest to make delivery without having their money and they said you're going to new york brother and uh i was just working there it was over christmas and uh so uh, I, I get on the plane with these bearer bonds and uh Go to New, uh, go to DC from here. It was a, and then they had what was called the Eastern Shuttle. Eastern Airlines had a, just a basically a shuttle flight that went back and forth between you, uh, New York and Washington about every hour. Mm -hmm. Got on there, and I mean Harry Reasoner was on there. He was a, this old uh, ABC uh, commentator for the evening news. Anyway. I get a cab. I go down to the bankers, the old bankers trust building. I go up to, uh, I get to the thing. I'm carrying a, a large amount of bonds in this briefcase. Uh, I, I go to the uh, information desk and I said, I need to go to this firm where I was going to deliver them. They said, it's on the seventh floor. So I get on the elevator and go up there and I get to this thing and it's this window and there are these people hanging around that look like they've been sleeping on the street. And, I mean, it was some rough-looking characters. And I said, uh, there's been a mistake. <laughs> this cannot be the place that I'm going. I go back down to the uh, uh, lobby. I say, are you sure that that's where this company is? He looks at his thing again and says, yeah, that's where it is. I go back up there. I go up to the window, and everybody behind the window is speaking Spanish. All of a sudden, they turn to me and say, Mr. Dupree. And I said, yeah. 
I've got something here for you. And uh, so I took them out of the uh, satchel. Um, they, uh, they, they counted them, and then they put a rubber band around them and hurled them across the room like a Frisbee. And it went into this hamper, big old, like a laundry hamper. Yeah. And uh, they cut me a check. And, uh, you know, um, I got out of there <laughs> quickly. But this is the way the securities industry used to work. And those guys that were around there were runners that uh, ran bonds and stocks between big delivery banks. So that was, that's just my little story, you know. Yeah. Just for coming Were up. you more nervous having the bonds or the check? Oh, the bonds. <laughs> They're bearer. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was way nervous having the check or the bonds. But anyway, um, yeah, it's over with. That's That happened a long time ago. Yeah. So Now, you don't put a handcuff on the briefcase. That would just that. make it obvious. Then, then it's obvious. Yeah. 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 You'd get your hand cut off. <laughs> yeah. No, that would make it obvious. Anyway, Sheesh. it's just a story. Yeah. I didn't mean to de derail. No, I mean, but that that shows you how far we've came as a country, too, though. You know, but and, and I think the funny thing is, is you didn't have, so when you look at, you know, the, the stimulus money that we pumped in back to, you know, to bring it on track, but, like, what really happened in March was a liquidity event. And you look at where we've came from there. Like, think about if that happened, you know, back, back then, like if you couldn't get bids on things, you couldn't get things moved out of your, out of your book. That's kind of scary. And, uh, <laughs> there have been liquidity events like that in every age but I think we've had more of them lately, uh, at least in the last, say, 50 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, 1987 was one. It's It almost turned into, you know, I mean, it, you, you, it was turned into a solvency issue back in March in some parts of the market. I mean, you were looking at, you know, the some parts of the financial markets, the mortgages, you know, because of the – the imposition of the shutdown, you're, you know, uh, what are the, what are the mortgages worth? You know, the, and so you, you were seeing that market, the mortgage market lock up. I mean, yeah, you, you saw government back mortgage securities yeah. drop 5%. Right. In a matter of like two days. Right. Which is huge for something that's supposed to have a, a guarantee behind it. Absolutely. Liquidity takes its, uh, toll on everything. If there's no bid, there's no bid. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's always whether there's a bid for it. Right. That's true. And when you think about it, even, uh, you know, now we don't really have runs on banks, but we used to, and that's a liquidity crisis also. Um, and, uh, that's why the federal reserve was created where, uh, if there's ever a shortage of liquidity, and if banks are not able to repay money that people have deposited, then there is, you know, panic in the entire system. Um, and the last time that was prior to the Federal Reserve, last time there was a liquidity crisis was in uh, 1907, when because there was no Federal Reserve system, J.P. Morgan, the man himself, had to bail out 
the system. So um, I, I think this has happened, as you said, many times in the past. Yeah. Uh, J.P. Morgan uh, would have uh, simply stepped up and bought the banks right. and made made the shareholders, or made, not the shareholders, but the uh, depositors. depositors whole. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, th there is a connection between a liquidity crisis and a solvency crisis in that one, they, they are interconnected, you know, a solvency crisis can lead to a liquidity crisis and vice versa. It all depends on the leverage. Right. Yeah. So some people still argue that if Lehman Brothers was bailed out, uh, back in 2008, then there probably wouldn't have been that liquidity crisis. Um, yeah, they had a huge book. Right. And it affected everybody that right. they were uh, counterparty to. Right. I think it's amazing too. So, f quick, quick on the uh, the whole COVID and what it's caused in markets. You know, you were talking about this pull forward of demand and things. Well, you know, the the, the push out I would say has been travel. So you 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 cut all the the housing yeah. uh, improvement and things like that out and normalize it. But then at the same time, you normalize the travel. You know, you're probably still moving forward on the growth spectrum because you've got all these people that haven't been able to travel. But I think some interesting thoughts behind that has been spending on things like collectibles and things, things of that nature, nostalgia. Um, you know, I, you you talk about a liquidity event. I was looking at uh, selling some Pokemon cards. <laughs> And those things. You probably still got yours from when you were a little kid. 1999. And those things, if they're graded and they grade out properly, thousands of dollars. Are you kidding me? Insane. It is. I remember throwing a bunch of those away. <laughs> I had a I had a Nintendo sixty four. And you you remember a yeah. Nintendo sixty four? I'm like, yeah. they have games on the Nintendo sixty four now that are selling for sixty and seventy dollars a piece. No kidding. Like Super Smash Brothers, things like that, where it's like just the nostalgia yeah, everybody wants the nostalgia. everybody wants it huh. and I, like you literally could have had two games and made what you spent yeah back back then <laughs> on the daggone nintendo 64 yeah. made it back i had an atari i had an atari did you have the 64 bit oh, i think it was a was it the black one it was like it a was wedge black yes, yeah the right. one before that was the brown one with the switches like a manual switch no, i didn't i didn't have that i had the black one <laughs> yeah that was that, they couldn't get that, that was in the, India. That was the fancy Atari. The black one was right. Chopper Command, Tom, Mario Brothers. Tom but said. yeah, the I tell you on the trends. Sorry, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. I was gonna say on the trends though. You know, you're talking about travel being pushed forward. You look at the things that have changed, like on that chart where they're looking at you know uh, uh, online retail, home improvement, the things that have gone up since COVID. You look at the massive jump in online retail. And that's permanent. Mm -hmm. That is not oh, yeah. like some of these things that have shifted are permanent. And I think the interesting thing too is you, you think of like Black Friday shopping and how everything got discounted so heavily because everybody wanted that event. Mm -hmm. I keep reading all these reports about a huge holiday season. I doubt there's going to be the discounting like there usually has been. You know, because you can do it all online. People can shop online now. So you, you could see that there's less discounting and more margin improvement for stores moving forward, too. 
The ones that are still around. The ones that can sell online. Yeah. Guess what that means, guys? That means we are wrapping it up this week. We had a quick little talk, lots of stories this week. If you like what you heard, tune into our podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also find it on our website, dupreefinancial.com. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, coming to you from the Dupree Studios on Main Street. And it's football time in the bluegrass. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. What to know. Cases are still rising. Protecting police. Suppression of the press. Because election night is going to be chaos, okay? When you don't know, checking in is how to stay in the know. Know what's going to happen. Reality, we're living. On News Radio 630. They know better than anybody. WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.